if you want to open up your Bibles to, it's quite easy, very first book, chapter 6, you haven't got far to flick into, or um, if you've got it on your app to open it up. Shall we pray before we begin? That's a good, that's a good place to start. God, we pray, in, we pray thank you for what you've been doing in the worship and through this moment, Lord. We pray, Lord, as we come to this moment, God, God, we pray. Would we encounter you? Would we hear you? Would you reveal something that we haven't learned before? About you, about your character, about your love, about your grace, about everything about you. Can we learn more about you this morning, God? And God, we pray, Lord, may everything that's, that you speak to us through your Holy Spirit about, will it transform our lives to reflect and be more like you? So God, I pray, Lord, as always, Lord, anything that's off of me, Lord, I just pray, Lord, may it just be forgotten about, be blown away in the wind, but Lord, everything that's from you, would it resound in our hearts? Would it, be tra- would it transform our hearts? Or would it give us and continue to give us new life? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning we're going to be talking about finding grace. And we're going to read uh, Genesis chapter six, uh, 6. We're going to read the, the first, first part of that. And then we're going to bring that into context and go forward. Is, is that okay? So we're going to start at Genesis chapter 6, and we're going to go from verse 1. Um, if you're following your Bibles, you can do. The, the words will be up on the screen. Thank you, thank you, guys, at the back. They do a fantastic job week in, week out. So I really appreciate you guys. So we're going to start at Genesis chapter 6, verse 1. When, a, when man began to multiply on the face of the land, and daughters were born to to them, some sons of God saw that the daughters of man were attractive, and they took as their wives any they chose. Then Yahweh said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh, his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterwards, when the sons of God came to the daughters of man, they bore children to them. These were the mighty men who were of old and men of renown. Yahweh saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention uh, of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And Yahweh regretted that he made man on the earth and he grieved and it grieved him to his, to his heart. So Yahweh said, I will blot out man whom I created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of Yahweh. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God, and Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Jasaph. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with flesh with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their ways 
on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gruppa wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you are to make it. The length the the length of the ark, 300 cubits, its breadth, 50 cubits, and its height, 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark and finish it to a cubit above and set the door of the ark on its side. Make it with lower, second, and third decks. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath or breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female of the birds, according to their kinds and of the animals according to their kinds of every creeping thing on the ground according to its kind two of every sort shall come into you to keep them alive to come to you to keep them alive also take with you every sort of food that is uh, eaten and store it up it shall serve as food for you and for them now did this he did all that god commanded him when we read the, the story of Noah and we, we read the beginning of the flood, sometimes we go straight into God decides he's going to flood the earth. And we can think it's a little bit drastic. Which, if you think about it, God's flooding the earth. This story, if you think about it, he wipes out and he decides, I'm going to wipe out everyone apart from. It's not a great picture. Can you even imagine the, the scenes of when it happens? The scrambling up the mountains, the holding on to bits of wood for your dear life, trying to perhaps keep hold of your children. The effects, we, we read it as like God just floods and he saves, he saves Noah, but the effects of it is actually, if you think about it, those effects, that's a hor- it's a horrible thing. But we have to put it into its context if we just take it out of the context that is the Bible narrative, at the Bible narrative, it can sometimes lose its impact and it lose its meaning. Because how is a God who's gracious, kind? slow to anger, rich in mercy, deep in love. If that's who he is, how did it get to this? How did Noah find grace? And if you take it into 
And if you take it into the, the context, right from you have Adam and Eve, they eat from the, the tree, tree of life, they get, they get tricked, and you have um, Cain kills Abel, and then it escalates, and the dialogue between Cain and Abel, and that, that, and between no, and, betw- and between this, well, if you go right up to the flood, it's about, it's, it's rough, roughly a bit more 1,600 years, a bit more, I think it's 1,656 if I remember correctly, it's a long time. That is a long time for patience. But while that's happening, it says violence and evil took over the land. Bit by bit by bit. By bit. And even beforehand, if you even go back to um, uh, chapter 4, you even have Noah's dad boasting. Noah's, Noah's, da, Noah's dad boasts and he says, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice, you wives of Lamech. That's a nice statement, isn't it? Full of pride. No, you listen to... Yeah, no, great characteristic to start off there. Listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me. If you look at the Greek, it means it means or if it's a strike, or if it's, it can mean just a bruise, whatever that, whatever it is, someone's wounded me, so I decided to kill him. Great. Can you imagine someone? You can get bruised walking up through Sucky Hall Street sometimes. Someone barges into you because they're on their phone, or uh, can you imagine turning around and killing them just for that? That's what the context is. Someone gives him a little bruise and he kills he kills him for it. He says. And he says, a young, man for stri- a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then the max is 77-fold. What a statement. And that's Noah's dad. It gets worse and worse and worse. People start doing their own things. People do what they desire. People start doing what they wish to do. And if you go down that route, and there's no consequences to that. And people just think, do you know, what? I'm just going to do what I feel like doing, when I want, how I, how I want, and no disregard for anyone else. It, es- it escalates and it escalates and escalates. And one of the hardest things that what, when coming to the Bible is that we come to the Bible with our perspective of our culture, our time, our morals, our values, and we try and bring it into this situation. But we have to read this context and this story and this way of going for how the culture was back then. We can gleam and we can look and we can learn, but we can say, oh, I wouldn't have done that, I wouldn't do that. Well, we can't really say it because that wasn't the culture that we have now. It's different and so you have this culture that is constantly stepping on people, putting people, putting people down, being aggressive, being, being, being wicked, chasing out chasing other, chasing other gods. And this goes on for years and years and years and years. But part of God's grace is that he gives yourself 
and me, we've got conscience. That's one, that's one gift from God that actually before we go do something, sometimes you ever get that check of, you shouldn't be doing that. And even if it's like the cookie from the cookie jar, it's like, they won't mind. It's like, you know, when you're, when you're a kid, they won't mind. And you go, go in, it's like you have that conscience that, that, try, that God gives us to pull us back. But sometimes if you're constantly just doing what you want when you want, the conscience just goes and goes and... And for some people, doing it so for so long, sometimes you, sometimes we even say it. Have they even got a conscience? And their heart becomes so hard that even if they did hear God speak to them, even if God spoke to them, they wouldn't hear it or they wouldn't change it. They might say, "Okay, God spoke," but they wouldn't change the ways because their heart has got so hard. And we say, well, why is there so much? And even today, we say, why is there so much pain? Why is there so much suffering? Why is there so much abuse in this world? Why is there so much? And it's all down to that first original sin, selfishness. Why is there so much famine in the world? Because we're selfish. If we distributed the food around the world properly and, eat, and equally, there'll be no poverty. We won't get political, but if governments actually cared for different people, hunger would be wiped out. There's a lot of things in, in, this, in, this, in this world that happen. How could that have happened? It's because people are selfish. Whether that's, whether that's through greed... And they just try and take all the money for themselves, realizing that you can't take it with you. You have, you have the, uh, the joke that a, 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 a businessman, he's on his, some of you know, know it already, the businessman, he's on his deathbed and, he's, he, and he meets, uh, Paul comes to him in his dream and says, look, just let me take some gold, let me just take some gold with you to heaven. And he's, he, he turns around to him and says, well, why do you want to bring pavement? Because what we see as valuable here is used as pavement in heaven. It means nothing. It's worth nothing. But yet, man, we're, strive, we're striving for it. We do. Some people even sell their own mother for it. We all met those people. People are selfish. Why do people hurt and abuse and mentally abuse other people? Because they're selfish. Think they're better than other people. You should do what I, you should do what I tell you to do. Why don't you do what I say? Selfishness. Everything you, every, every, everything you can bring back, you can bring to selfishness. It's what I want. And if you go down that route, and the people at this time, just, they just go, down, just go down this route, and everyone's selfish, and no one's caring about, e- caring about each other, you end up with a society that's just messed up. There's no rules, there's no, there's no laws. Now, we know that the Ten Commandments were given to uh, Moses in Exodus. We know that when Noah gets off the boat, uh, God gives him commandments to live, to, to, to live by. He can go uh, to, to live by. But before, before that, it, the Bible doesn't say that there's laws written down. There might be laws verbally that God has spoken to 
Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve it might be passed down, but there's no, as, 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 as so, the Bible doesn't record that there's no, these are the laws set in stone that you must follow. Or try to follow. The first little bit, it doesn't say that. It's more of a God, say, God saying to the people, no, don't do this, do, do this, don't do that, do, do this. And he's teaching them, and it's, it's more of a, an, an all, we shouldn't be doing that. But when people then say, do you know what, I'm just going to do my own thing. And in doing so, their culture drowns. I wonder if some of the stuff that even is happening now, if we look around, you can almost see that our culture is almost drowning in itself. People are, people are selfish still to this day in our culture. People will say to you, come and, come and, do, what I'm do, come and do what I'm doing. It, it's great fun. And then when you go do it, they turn around and say, why did you do that? And they'll drag you down for doing something that they've told you to do. And they'll criticize you. Even to this day, you can't even have a conversation with someone. Because if you have a conversation with someone and you disagree with someone, with someone they think that you hate them. When you're just having a conversation, it's like, we can disagree and still be friends. We can still disagree and have a conversation. Well, okay, I, like, I, I hear your point of view, but um, I don't necessarily agree with all of it, but, I, but, I'm, but I'm hearing you. We fail to listen to each other because it's all about self. And so if you disagree with me, I'm going to go back through your Facebook, I'm going to go back through your Twitter, or, you know, X, and then I'm going to, ex, then I'm going to expose you and bring everything back out into the public for everyone to see, and I'm going to shame you. Gone are the days where you had to have integrity and work your way up, show up on time, work, work hard, be, res- be responsible. Now, if you want someone else's job, you just go on their Twitter, you go on your Facebook. They said this against someone. They're hypocrites. They get cancelled. They get fired. Thank you, Jesus. I've taken the job. That's true, isn't it? More values, more values, and they forget that you might have said something back when you were 16, 17, but people forget that you can have an education system level of learning, that you might have said something when you are younger. It doesn't mean when you're 10, 5, or even two months later that you can, someone can teach you something and go, actually, I know I said that back then, but I, actually, I don't agree with that because I've actually learned. Because there's that level of education, level of, okay, I thought something, I've learned, I've learned something, I've gone away, I've, I was a bit ignorant, I've learned something, I've done, some, I've done my research, I thought I knew it, I didn't know it. Some bits are what I said I agree, but some of it I'm not. I now have a different standpoint. Society says, no, you said that, that's what you believe. There's no grace in society. Everybody wants justice. You did that to me, I want justice. You did that to me, I want justice. But when they then go do something and they cry out for grace, there's no grace. It's sad, isn't it? And we have a, cult- we have a culture here that's so selfish, so evil, so wicked pulling people down, tearing people down, killing, using, and abusing, all because 
They follow what they desire. Not all desire is bad. There are some dreams and desires that God places inside of us that are good. And they're normally for the benefit of other people. If you look at your giftings, if you look at the dreams and the visions and the giftings and desires that God places you, if it, if it doesn't hurt anyone, if it raises other people up around, up around you, then it's normally like, go do it. But some people are just like, do you know what? I want to do this. And the consequence of that, it's a trail of hurt and pain for those people all around and who you come in contact with. And that's what this society comes into. God's saying, do you know what? That's not how I created you. And speaking on how God created them, it says that the sons of God, there's, I know there's a, there's a couple of thoughts around this. Some people think the sons of God were after Cain killed Abel, um, uh, uh, Seth came along. So the, Seth, Seth came along, and some people think it's the sons of Seth from his marriage. Then married the the, the daughters of man, which they which they think is daughter, uh, Cain's daughter, as as they go on and they married and grew. But but also also we can take we can take this as the sons of God. We know that sons of God refers to angels. And this respect the, the fallen the fallen angels. And they see we're and and something is then birthed that God hadn't designed. One of the most special things about you and about me and about the people in society and everyone who has lived and everyone who's going to live are children. Even the people that we hate and we, we, walk, we walk past and try and avoid them. Everyone, whether they're Christian or not, is made in the image of God. It is a special gift. You are made in the image of God to reflect him. And he delights in that. There is no regrets about that whatsoever. He delights that you are made in his image to reflect his character, to carry his character traits, to know what it is to, to, to love and, to, and to, be, to be loved, to be generous and to be, generous, to be kind and to be, mercy, and to be, to be merciful and, and all of that and to leave the justice to, it, justice to him. He knows that what, how he's made you is perfect and he calls you perfect. There will never be anyone else that identical to you before now or ever. You are identical. You are unique. No one else is going to be exactly the same as you. Even if you have uh, identical twins or triplets or, uh, or, or if let's go, sometimes you know you get quads. Um, you, can you imagine trying to tell them apart? I know someone had that. that they had to get the doctor to put um, little uh, tattoo dyes on when to grow, growing up uh, just on the, on, the bottom, on the bottom so they could tell, tell which because they, they just couldn't tell. But even if you can't tell, we know at a genetic level, even identical twins are different. They haven't got the same DNA. Everyone is so unique and so special. 
and our, and our identity is found in, in that we're made in the image of God. Identity is found in God. And so that's our, that's our default. So it doesn't matter what other people think of you. It doesn't matter what you try and place your identity. It's like you might go and say, okay, I'm a sports person, or I'm a, a singer, or I'm trying to do this. It's like, okay, that's great. That's what you're trying to place your identity in. But your identity is that you are made in the image of God. You're created to be in a relationship with him. And he'll hunt you down and chase you down and try and say, this is, I want to love you. I want to love you. I want you to be in that relationship with you, but it's up to us how we use our free will. And that's why people, some people are selfish, because God's one of, one, of grace, grace, one of the things about grace is that he's given us free will. We can choose our actions. We can choose what we do, and so we can choose to say, God, I freely, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a robot. I can choose who I love. I can choose who, what I'm going to do. And God says, I want you to choose to love me. I haven't created you to be a robot. and to do, I've created you to purposely choose. You have to make the decision. Are you going to love me back? But I will do everything. But he says he will do everything he can right up until your last breath to convince you, to try and say, you know, I'm here. I've made you. I love you. I want you to have that relationship. And it's up to us whether we choose to accept that or not. Some people choose to accept it. Some people don't choose to accept it. That is choice. That is free will. Selfishness is a choice. It's not, oh, I was bought, uh, I was born self selfish i was you know it just happens like no selfishness greed all the, all the stuff that you know doesn't reflect god's image is a choice you can choose whether you do that or not it might feel like you can't do it and sometimes the pressure to do things is so great it feels like you don't have a choice but you have a choice we all have a choice noah had a choice if noah had fitted in with a society, he would have drowned. If Noah had done what his father had done and gone with what the family had done, he would have drowned. Sometimes you have to stand by your convictions. Sometimes you have to say, okay, this is what I, this is what I believe. I have to stand, stand by it. Because if you know something is true and society is saying, no, don't do that. Come, come and do this. And you distort your truth. When you start to distort truth, truth stops being truth. For all of us, there's decisions, and some of them are hard decisions about how we act, how we behave, what we think, what we believe. But there's a choice. And for Noah... God says that despite his dad, Noah is blameless. Well, he says he was, he was right. He says he was righteous. I wonder how hard that was. I wonder how tough that was for Noah. Perhaps seeing the society go down a different route, 
and seeing other, uh, seeing perhaps family members, go, some family members going different routes. Dad going down a different route, but yet he chooses to actually. I'm not going to do that. I'm going. I'm going to follow. I'm going to reflect the character of God. Because when the sons of man, where it's the people's character, it starts distorting and changing the image of God. It was always supposed to be humans marrying humans and having, ch- and having children. It's never supposed to be angel- angels and humans. You get something that God didn't quite, and he starts distorting the image of God. And when you start distorting the image of God, start reflecting, it's like, that's not what I created. And we can, and we can, we can all do that. We can all reflect, whether it's by how, are we, are we prideful? Are we jealous? Are we greedy? Are we egocentric? That even if something, someone makes a slight comment, our ego flares up. Our pride flares up, our anger flares up, our greed, our rudeness, our abuse, our elitism to try and think, you know, I'm better than I'm better than everyone, I'm better than everyone else flares up. And we all suffer from things. No one here in this room is perfect. But there's a grace. And if you solely focus on God's justice, which he needs, and God will bring justice. When we do stuff wrong, he holds us accountable. And we have to be responsible for the way we act, the way we think, the way we talk, the way we behave, everything that we do. There's no point saying... Do you know what society was doing that, or I wasn't too sure, I was just going along for it. It doesn't cut it. Everything that we do, he will say, why did you do that? Why, we have to give an account for everything. I'm just thankful Jesus came. Otherwise, I'll be stuffed. I don't know about you. I'll be down being cute. I'll just go and dig my own grave. I'll see you guys later. I'll be stuffed. I'm so thankful that God came, died for all of our sins and rose again because he wanted to restore salvation back to us. There is grace. Because in, in, in Psalms, 145a, it says, Yahweh is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. Hebrews 4, let us then, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. Listen to that. Let us draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in times of need. I don't know about you, but I need grace in times of need. Exodus 34, Moses is, goes up the mountain and Yahweh passes, passes by him. And um, it says this in Exodus 34, verse 6. Yahweh passed before him and proclaimed, Yahweh, Yahweh, a God merciful and gracious, 
slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for a thousand, some translations say a thousand thousand generations, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin. Sometimes we just see God as, and I know growing up, sometimes I just saw God as, if I did something wrong, I'm just waiting for that lightning bolt to come down and just get me. You ever get that picture? Sometimes you see, see that, done, you know, he's, he's there looking over saying, James, you did something wrong, lightning bolt. Sometimes you, can't, you, do, you, you say something, it's like, oh, and you just step, take a step over to the side just because you think he can't redirect it. But we have a God who is abounding in love, abounding in grace, abounding in mercy, and abounding in love that when we leave it and bring it, it's never too late. Say, God, I need help. My character isn't right. Can you help me with my character? Can you help me with my job situation? Because the job is a nightmare. It feels like you've called me to my job, but my job's a nightmare. I need grace to work with this company because they're a bunch of idiots. And it feels like half the time I could kill them, and if I could and get away with it, I would, but I need grace to work in that situation. Some people, it might be, do you know what, God, I just need grace because my kids are driving me wild. I don't know what to do. For some women, you're going, God, I need grace because my husband, woo! And some, some of the husbands are going, God, I need grace because my wife, <laughs> ain't worse, works by versa. Sometimes... We go through hard, hard times. Sometimes, God, I just need grace because my health is not great at all. It just seems like it's one thing after the, after the other. Part of this week, I've been walking around like John Wayne with a bad back, trying to do, trying to do stuff because you think, God, really? And you think, it's get, you think it's getting better. It's tough living with pain, isn't it? It's tough living with pain. But for a lot of people, pain becomes the norm. You, you live with it. You put up with it. Where it's, your bad, where it's bad, bad back or the knees are, go, knees are going, or it's the hips or the heart's going, right, or, the, or the doctor keeps giving you tablets to try and fix something, but then you need more tablets to try and fix the side effects of those tablets. So you end up and you've got like 60 tablets along the table, and that's just for a day. I know there's some people who can't come to church because the amount of tablets that they're taking to try and cure something, which is good, they're keeping them alive, but you ask them what they're taking and they like go through and it's just like the table's just full because, and they have to take every single one because it, it counterfects and counterfeits. And it's just like, what some people have to live up and put up through, some people just like, some people just need grace. It's like, God, I just need your grace to get me through this day. Some people need, need to say, God, I just need grace because 
I'm trying to live up to everyone's expectations and I just keep on failing. Some of you are trying to impress your parents and they're not even alive still. There's so many things in this world that life is tough, but God has got grace to get you through. You still might have to live in the tough situation. You still might have to live with the, with the bad backs and the sore knees, and sometimes God heals when he does fantastic, but sometimes we don't know why we just have to live, we just have to live with the pain. But God has got, got grace for you to get through and survive and to thrive. You can do it. You can do it. But if you do it in your own strength, you're just going to get worn out, tired, resentful, frustrated, angry, bitter. Bitterness. Some people are They live their lives so bitter because of a missed opportunity. I should have been. I should have done that, but someone else got it. That should have happened, but I didn't get my break. And there's grace for that to say, very well and true. So I might have stepped into a position that you were supposed to get. It might not have worked. It might not have worked out how you wanted it, but life has not ended. There are more opportunities out there, and if you live in the business and the past, you're never going to see the opportunities that are ahead of you and the potential that you still have, because you've still got the gifting, you've still got the ability that God has placed in you, you've still got the calling that God has placed in you. The only thing that's holding you back is you. And you have a choice. I can either choose to stay bitter. It's not neglecting that it happens. It's not saying that bit, that what happened to me, or whether the abuse that happened to me, or what my mum did, what my father did, a family member, or whatever, or what, how this boss treated me, how I got fired. It doesn't, doesn't say that never happened. That still happened, but it gives you the grace to say, okay, I'm going to choose to forgive. I'm going to choose to, and it might take years to properly forgive because you get, you get to a certain stage and you think that you've done it. And me and Marion talking about this during the week. You get to a certain stage, don't you, Marion? That you, that you think, okay, I, for, I forget, I've forgiven them. Then something else comes along and something triggers you. And you're thinking, I thought I forgave. But you have a choice whether to say, God, I need to go deeper in forgiveness. I'm going to choose to do that in order that my eyes stop reflecting. And I stop ref- reflecting something that's not of you. Stop reflecting anger. Stop reflecting business in order that I can live a healthy life. some people, the only reason why everyone avoids them and is fearful in the home, you sort out your bitterness, you sort out your pride, you sort out your anger, and sometimes the home life gets better. Guys, no matter what, you are to love your wife as God loves the church. 
no abuse, physical or mental. It's tough being a father, it's tough being a husband. It is. There's some things that some things women will not understand. The same thing. There's there's some things for women that guys will never understand, and we have to and we have to recognise that. But what you're going through does not mean you are to abuse or hurt your wife. And the same applies for women. You are to love your husband and you are to love your wife, love your children as God has loved the church. You sacrifice. You reflect God's character. Yes, you might want justice, but you show love and mercy. I wonder, for all of us, who are we reflecting? Who do you reflect? If you were to look at yourself in the mirror and say, actually, I know some of my life I reflect God, but there's areas of my life I don't really reflect God whatsoever. Can I encourage you today to be brutally honest before God and say, God, I just need to own that bit. But I'm going to come before God because God is a God of grace and mercy. And when you come before God and say, generally, and say, God, generally, I need to change. Or I don't have the strength to change me. I don't know how to change me. Can you send your Holy Spirit to help change me? He will answer those prayers. Because he wants you to reflect his character. He wants you to reflect who he is. He wants you to reflect the image of God that he's made and put inside every single one of you. He wants you to be the best person you can be. And in doing so, you will find, fulfill- find fulfillment and happiness. And then that will feed back and that will give God glory. Because you start reflecting who he is. If we, just go around with the, if we just go around with the norm and be like the norm and, be, and try and be like society and try and be like everyone else, if we were back in Noah's time, we would just drown. But luckily, Jesus came, he died, he rose again, so we know That when we put our trust and hope in Jesus, when we ask him, say, God, I have stuffed up again. I'm not as perfect as I like to think I am. Would you forgive me? Would you transform me? And you follow him? You'll know that you're saved. You'll know that you're saved. He'll answer that instantly. David, and so you can read it in Psalm, we're not going to read it, but in Psalm 51, you can see that whole trans, transgression where he, after um, he gets caught, caught out from before committing adultery, he goes down this whole big dialogue, dialogue and part of it is that God cl- created me a clean heart. 
cleanse me of his, uh, with his blood and make my sins as white as, as white as snow. And God will do that. Whatever you think can't change, whatever you need grace for, he can give you grace and mercy and love and compassion to face what you're doing, to change the situations that you're in and circumstances that you're in. Nothing is lost. And it might take time. But God has got patience. God waited 1,656 years for these people to change. How long would you have waited if you created something in your image and it starts doing what it wants, how it wants, when it wants, turns its back to you and says, stuff you, I'm going down this way. How long would you have lasted? A day? An hour? A month? A year? That's a long, 1,656 years, that's a long time. He is slow to anger and abounding in love. He has got patience and grace for you. He's got patience and grace. So when you come before him, and if you imagine, imagine coming before him and in the... Hebrews where it says, come before a throne of grace. There's that, there's a healthy fear that, yes, God is all-powerful and all-knowing. and all He can do what he wants, when he wants, but he'll do, it out of, he'll do it out of love. He could, if he wanted to, a blink of an eye, a click of the fingers, that could be, that could be me. But, but I'm here by his grace. He's like, he can do what he likes. And there's that time for, if you look, if you read people, every time people go and they, they're in the presence of God, they fall flat on their faces because they realize, we sung it, God is holy, that God is so holy. But when we come to his presence, we just like fall flat on our faces because actually we realize how awesome and, ma- and majestic and how magnificent and how loving he is. And there's that healthy fear that God... He doesn't live up to our standards. God lives up to his standards, and we shouldn't live up to society's standards. We need to live up to his standards. But in doing so, when you approach him, he is a father full of love and grace and compassion. When you come to him, he's not going to say, I haven't got time for you. Turn around and go away. Stop disturbing me. He's always got time for you. He always loves you. He always cares for you. He always wants you to go to him. He's our first port of call when we've got issues and we just need grace and love and compassion to go to God or do we go to what does YouTube think? What does Google think? But there's this place of coming and saying, God, my first port of call is not Google, it's not YouTube, it's not everyone, it's not what my friends thinks. Because sometimes people don't have the grace that you need to live in your situation. Whether it's families or jobs, and some people just turn around to you and say, 
do you know, if I was you, I'd just get rid of them. If I was you, I'd just do that. You know, and it's like, well, actually, God might have called you something, and he might be saying, actually, I want you to live in that grace that I'm giving you. And if you live by what other grace that other people have, their context is fine. Okay, they might have done that, but you have to live. What has God called you to do? And so we have to be careful where we get our advice from and who and what we research. We have to say, okay, that's all we're in fine, get information. But actually, ultimately, say, God, what do you have to say about this? But he will give you the grace to get through, to overcome, to change. He'll give you the grace. And those hardships and those times where it just feels like it's just, too, it's just overbearing, it's just too much, he'll restore to you the joy that you're searching for. He'll restore to you the times of laughter. He'll give back what it seems like the locusts have just eaten up and just taken and devils tried to steal away. He promises, keep following me, I'll restore everything back to you. Would you follow him? Would you trust him? Would you go back to him? Don't get caught by society. And for the metaphor, don't drown. Find grace.